0: So when I woke up this morning
1: I was feeling pretty dangerous, welcome back to DraftFights. My name is Walter, and today we are talking about the Cleveland Browns. And today I also have a guest. He's gonna be on for two parts, right? It's a two-part episode. First part, Cleveland Browns exclusive, right? Why? Because this guy is a Cleveland Browns fan, and I don't know too many of them personally, because I live in the New Jersey. And I've met more as I've been on more Browns podcasts. So now I'm bringing on a Twitter guy. He does not have his own podcast, so I thought I'd bring him on to mine. His name is Marcus Harvey, and you can follow him at Marcus Harvey underscore. And now we will bring him on. We will talk about the Browns on this episode. And on the next episode, we will talk about wide receivers in the NFL draft. Yes, the NFL draft is coming in a couple of weeks. Hello, hello, hello. I'm well, I'm well. And yourself? I am doing well. I have you on today, so that's great. I don't usually, this is my first time in a long time having a guest, literally since last year's draft, um, because my old computer could not handle doing that kind of stuff. It was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I did a live stream of the draft, and I couldn't believe that computer held up doing that that night, and then it just died further and further. Like, it became less capable. To the point where now I can't even do videos anymore on that one. So now I have a new laptop. It's great. Now everything is awesome. New laptop means everything is great. Rocking and rolling. Right. So you know, Marcus, you want to give a little bit of a plug. What do you what like? What do you like? What you know, your your background. You want to tell you know, put in your your Twitter handle because I didn't plug that in my intro of you.
0: Yeah, uh, my Twitter handle is Marcus M A R C U S H A R V E Y underscore. Um, pretty generic, but. Uh, if if you're interested in following me, I uh, comment a lot about all things football. The draft is particularly of interest. I think the process of acquiring new pieces and building a team through the draft is a really uh, interesting portion of the game that continues uh, throughout the year. So that's something that I really tend to follow. But yeah, all things football, I'm a Browns fan, but I really... Just love the game of football, of talking about it with all different people, and try to learn something new every day.
1: It's a lovely sport. Like I, when I finally got into football, I just dove headfirst in, and now all these years later, I'm a. I, I the the draft is such a. It's that it's that thing of hope every year. It's like your team can get better. And we've seen it. We've seen it with the Saints. We've seen it with – like, the Saints are pretty much the quintessential one, right? Because, like, we all think about the Saints being like, oh, Drew Brees carrying them every year. But, like, people forget, like, there was a draft not too long ago that had that draft not happened – um, that team would probably still suck because like they yeah. were a seven and nine team three years in a row. Right. And then they had a draft that gave them Ryan Ramchek and My- Marshawn Lattimore and Alex Anzalone and Alvin Kamara and Sheldon Rankins. Literally I'm just naming guys who just like are now Trey who are, Hendrickson. <laughs> Trey Hendrickson too,
0: Alvin yeah. Kamara. Uh, Marcus Williams, who they just franchise tagged and worked out, trying to figure out the money situation. Yeah, the the draft is a really interesting portion of the game of football because it's so so much work that goes into just a couple of days um, of, of real process and, and seeing like fans comment about it in different things. So yeah, I I love the draft because it's a thing that all fans can connect to, not just playoff games or playoff wins, Super Bowls, um, but the draft
1: is is
0: what you spend the rest of the year talking
1: about it's just exciting and i honestly feel more excited for the night of the draft than i do of the night of the super bowl because like we already know the two teams in the super bowl like as a football fan it's kind of like it's already here we like we know who the two guys are who like we know the two people playing or not the two people but the two quarterbacks but the draft it's it's everybody's game and um, uh And it only takes a couple uh, Mike Mayocks or Bill Belichick's
0: or Pete Carroll's to to really throw a few wrinkles in it, and then it makes it more fun for everybody else. And uh, I'll never forget when Cleveland Farrell took a, was the fourth overall pick, and that just sent the draft and everybody who was covering it into uh, some laughter to start off the night, but create, created uh, some great situations and things that weren't even possible before that.
1: Yeah, I was at uh, MetLife Stadium that year because every every year they did a draft thing. Even if they didn't weren't hosting the draft, they'll do Like I think every stadium probably does something for it. And uh, because my buddy's a Jets fan and he has season tickets, so he's like, "Come with me, I get free tickets." And they're like, "That's free anyway. You could just come. It doesn't. He doesn't have anything special." but uh he's he'll try to convince me like yo man i know people i'll get you in and it's like this was free to begin with you could have came by yourself right. but but i went uh i went a few years and that year with the cleveland feral pick i remember sitting in the stands and i look at my phone and it's like it's not going to be josh allen i'm like how could it not be josh allen and they're like well they didn't like his his agent was the same agent as uh oh what's um Khalil Mack, probably. Yes, Khalil Mack. Yes, so they just went through that whole thing. And it's such a strange reason, like, we don't want to deal with that agent. It's like, you guys are morons. I can't believe you guys did this. I'm sorry. I'm never going to get a job with Mike Mayock, but keep in mind, he's probably not going to have a job too much longer, given how that that franchise has been handled. He's definitely the scapegoat. Like, Mm -hmm. John Gruden's there for a while, but Mike Mayock, they're going to kick him eventually to the curb. But uh, let's talk a little bit more. You're a Browns fan. Uh, let's talk what the browns need this year right there's a lot of talk now granted they might not need they really don't necessarily need much. Um, some would argue they don't everything that is a quote unquote need is like it's a need but it's like it's not a pressing need. Um, right. I think there's at least one position that's a pressing need yeah. um and, and and it's mainly because that's just a position of depth regardless. Uh, but you know I'll, I'll touch on my point on that in, in a little bit. But like, what do you what do you think about the team? What do you think about the team going into this year? Also, keep in mind we might get Jadavian Clowney by Wednesday.
0: Yeah. So uh, upon recording this, like we're, we're still waiting on that news that that workout or the physical that will that's pending, right? So that'll be an interesting portion of getting ready for the draft and filling a position of need before it comes time to you know take take the pick or trade the pick or any other situation that could arise right um for me i'm just really impressed by andrew Berry's ability to uh situate the roster in a much better place than it was five weeks ago than it was eight weeks ago or when they were playing for a playoff game against the kansas city chiefs uh right so for me to go from andrew sandejo and mj stewart who were, were very serviceable in, in their roles but not able to to fulfill the full obligations that we needed out of those spots and the versatility that certain new players could bring, i.e. two of the top defenders from the top defense in the NFL with uh, Troy Hill coming over and John Johnson the third coming over, you know, th- those are tremendous uh, additions. And my heart goes out to Olivier Vernon a little bit for his his recovery process as as his injury happened real late in the year, which was super unfortunate because it rolls again into this year with that Achilles injury. But um, adding Adrian, or not, they cut Adrian Claiborne, but adding some more talent along the defensive line with Malik Jackson and... Tack McKinley? Yeah, Tack McKinley. That that will only help the Browns moving forward. So look, looking forward to that, I think camp will be really interesting rolling out the bottom of the, the roster on defense, especially, you know, the Browns are well-situated. They have a lot of picks in this draft. So it'll be interesting to see where they favor, you know, high-end talent or are we, are we trying to unlock unlimited potential? What, what is that bottom of the roster look like?
1: I, yo know, the Claiborne thing caught me by surprise and then instantaneously I'm like, they're definitely going edge rusher and free agency. And like, Hey, they signed Tack McKinley. And I'm like, Tack McKinley's replacing Claiborne. There's got to be somebody replacing OV. Yeah. And we never saw the signing. And I think they were in on all the big pass rusher signings, the Carl Lawsons of the world. But, like, think about it. Carl Lawson's been injured a lot. He never played more than 50% of snaps. And he's getting a $15 million a year deal. Bud Dupree's getting $16.5 million a year.
0: And and Trey Hendrickson and and Carl Lawson were both one-sided defenders that rarely rotated you know, had very limited positional versatility at what they showed um, on on their film and in their production. So I think it's really interesting the situation that we found ourselves in, you know, albeit we still have a couple holes on the roster like you mentioned, but uh, I I think in every situation they're they're well prepared to enter the draft and not have to go get this guy or have to go get this position um, by the end of the first night or even through the
1: first two days. And especially if they end up signing Clowney like that puts them in a whole different world because you now probably are spending less on Clowney than what you would have spent on those other players because he's probably going to be a one year deal, which teams usually want a discount on a one year deal because they can't spread the cap out. And even if they could spread the cap out, they're not getting control, which is why. So with Clowney, they're probably getting him at 10 million or less at this point which cuz I can't imagine a team wanting to spend more than 10 million. I think the numbers that were thrown around a couple of weeks ago were 7 million up to 10 million in incentives. Don't know if that's what they're aiming for. They might go lower than that. So if they manage to get Clowney and Clowney, honestly, I think it's just as risky to sign Bud Dupree as it is to sign Clowney. And then Bud Dupree is probably gone for twice the rate. Like, uh, yo, you just you got yourself a one-year rental on a guy who could easily go opposite Miles Garrett. You also have Tack McKinley, who his first two years showed out really well, and you still have the draft to address like an additional pass rusher. You know, and again, this is all pretending like we get clowny i could be clowning myself with this and clowny could be like you know what you know what walter i just wanted you to say you wanted me on your team because last year you wanted somebody else's show and said i was one of the most overrated guys in free agency and listen i was right he, he signed for a 13 million dollar deal and uh I, he didn't do anything last year i thought it was like i thought there was too much hype last year i think now it's come back down and everything's about a medium y'all gotta be careful with like it's like that that in between zone you gotta be care like the anyway. Before I start riffing about being just being right on on Clowney to an extent, I thought Clowney was great, and I think Clowney was I think Clowney would be a great signing for the Browns now, especially on a cheaper deal. But uh, but like you said, like there's you know you look at the the cornerback that they signed Troy Hill, uh, John Johnson. Oh, by the way, Anderson Sandejo, I feel so bad for him because he was basically like a veteran backup to be like here to help teach the defense, and then like Delpit goes down, and they don't really have anybody else on the roster, and they're like, Sandejo, you're gonna be playing free safety." He's like, "I was here to eat Cheetos and just hang out <laughs> in the film room, sir." So, I, listen, I feel bad for Sandejo. Uh, he was really kind of, I think, supposed to be like the backup slot corner slash like, eh, maybe we have him play a few snaps. And then it's like, guess what, Make-A-Wish? You're on the field for like 1,000 snaps this year. He's like, God damn it. Terrence Mitchell was the same way. Terrence Mitchell's like, I'm supposed to be the backup. I played 1,000 snaps this year, and I still got a cheap-ass deal. What do I have to do to get paid? But clearly them not keeping Mitchell was kind of a sign they were going to go a lot. I think that tells you maybe they're looking to go a little bit more man coverage this year. Yeah, I I think that
0: is the biggest telltale sign from that move, right? Um, Mitchell moved on. He hasn't, he hasn't officially signed that contract with the Houston Texans yet, um, but they agreed to terms a while back. Uh, and I really think it is interesting because for large portions of the latter half of the season last year, the, the Browns defensively were limited by the personnel that they were able to put on the field for injuries or COVID reasons, um, as the Browns struggled with both of those down the stretch. And especially that was highlighted in the Chiefs game where, you know, the defense couldn't keep up, but the defense did keep up, the offense failed them on that day. Um, and it brings us to the next point, and when we're going to talk about wide receivers a little bit about the Browns' perspective about maybe what how and what ways the Browns can pursue some different talent to... To further grow and, and take that next step, because in the NFL, if you're remaining stagnant uh, along your wide receiver core, your offensive identity defenses are going to catch on. That happened in Baltimore this year uh, with Greg Roman and and lackluster wide receivers, and one of with a highly talented quarterback that can do everything. Um, so that that brings me to this point where um, Jadavian Clowney for the Browns. Just opens up a whole different realm, wide receiver in round one, uh, different different things like that to really pursue that next step as an organization and chase the top dogs in the top of the AFC.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that I, it opens up who they might go ahead and get, well, especially if somebody falls, right? Like you want to be able to take like the best player, especially like you think about last year with Dallas Cowboys getting CeeDee Lamb at 18. And there's gonna be dropping value in this draft like crazy, right? You have Jalen Phillips who has concussion issues. You have Caleb Farley with the back stuff. You have Jalen Waddle who's coming off of a, a, like a, a massive you know, he's coming off an injury, didn't get to play half the season, tried to play one game at the end of the year, and did not look like he was back from it, hasn't gotten to test all offseason, so teams might be afraid of that. You have guys who had better 2019s than 2020s because it, you didn't really have the offseason to work out. And actually, we're going to get into that cuz we're talking about receivers today, folks, and that's like a big thing for a lot of receivers. Like I feel like that was half the receiving core that like that's in this draft is like this guys, you have to go back to 2019, you have to go back to 2018 for some of these guys and be like, "Yo, man, this guy's got good good reps on tape." But uh but before we get into that, uh we'll touch a little bit more on Brown's stuff. Um because you mentioned it right there, is it opens up the world, and one of the things that this this team is valued is trading back and and garnering assets and garnering high value assets right it's you don't want more six round picks because six round picks almost never make the roster but what you do want is like second round picks third round picks even fourth rounders i think fourth round is like kind of where the drop-off eventually dies it's like that 125 range and it's all gone so i i could see them trading back from 26 i think this that's what this really frees them up to do is trade back and get maybe a second rounder next year or teams might be a little bit more like hey we want to be able to stay in the draft in the second round next year maybe we'll, we'll give you a third rounder this year and a fourth rounder next year because next year's draft's going to be really deep but uh like any other any particular thoughts of where you think they might go if they stay at 26 or if even if they trade back
0: yeah so i'm i'm of the belief that they make a little move whether that be up a little bit or or down a little bit i think both is is in the realm of possibilities um if they're moving up i think it's for one of the top four guys the top four receivers um if if they're knocking on the doorstep that can be a real possibility however i I give that percentage about 25 um, but for the 75 percent, i would say either staying or, or moving back and in doing that i have about 12 players in mind across that range where if three of them are sitting on the board and they can move down five picks and, and pick up an extra second or pick up an extra third um, to move up a little bit later in the draft even, um, you know, with a pick swap or something like that, uh, I, I really believe that the Browns, you know, could, could not even be picking on day one, which for a draft that's in Cleveland with a lot of fans that will be excited um, will create an interesting situation, but um, it'll be best for the team in my opinion.
1: It would be. I, I, I 100% agree because, again, part of what's made them such a good team is building up assets. And we even saw this with the Eagles, right? The Eagles are at the back around 1-1 one, one year, and they trade back. And one of those picks became Dallas Goddard. It was probably the only successful pick in, like, three years that Howie Roseman's made. Imagine if he didn't have, like, one of those extra picks somewhere down the line. You wouldn't be able to make that kind of a pick. So, Yeah, and that, and that brings me to
0: the next point. Andrew Barry comes right from that from that front office and and how it's practicing, right? Um, previous to the Browns, he was working very closely with the Eagles front office during those draft day moves and different things. And, um, we even saw it last year moving down just 10 picks with the saints and picking up an extra third this year. That was one of the most outrageous draft draft trades uh, of last year, you know, just moving 10 down, 10 spots, just missing out on the guy that they likely would have picked. Um, but needless to say, adding that extra third gives them a top hundred pick again this year.
1: Uh, You know, it's funny because that, but a top 100 picks a lot like it's it's weird when you watch how much the draft stock kind of goes down as you know like top 15 like your hit rates like i think in like the somewhat like 50 percent range and then you get out of the top fi- you get from the top 15 to the top 50 and it goes down to like 20 percent hit rate and then from top 50 to like Top 100, it drops even further to like about 10. percent So it's like it, it keeps dropping, and then finally after the 125 range, it's basically like yeah, you're basically taking shots. Um, it's basically like two percent, three percent shots. So you're just calling dibs. But and not only that, but Andrew Barry was here back when they did the huge trade back like several years ago. Like they were, he was part of the front office in 2016. That did the trade back with Wentz, and then the the following year with uh he, with Deshaun Watson at twelve. So like they he's very adept on what garnering picks will will do for a team and build up roster talent. Um, so what are players that you would take for the Browns at twenty six? Like you you have the option to trade down. Two two, uh, two versions of this question. Twenty six. You have an option to trade down. Maybe garner an extra second uh, day two pick this year or next year. Or you can take one of these players. Who are they at 26? And then we'll do the next bit at 26, if yeah. there's just no options. So, so for me, two players at 26, or three players. I'll, I'll make it
0: three. Um, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa from Notre Dame. I think his skill set is far and above any other replacement value, um, like the next tier of what it could be. Um, and with the current roster and how it's situated and the desire for the Browns to get faster, uh, Wusu koromoa would would fit that mold tenfold um and so i i really was impressed by him his speed his ability to drop into coverage you know i'm of the belief that linebacker is is here or there but um he offers so much skill as a a positionless defender that can truly help out the defense in so many different aspects whether that be chasing lamar jackson after the you know one of the goals for me this offseason season were how the Browns were going to beat the Ravens and getting more speed on defense is exactly that. So Uusu Kormo does that for me. Um, then on top of that, I look at Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver from Minnesota. I think he's a remarkable talent um, working in a pro style offense in a colder environment uh, as an outside receiver, as a slot. Um, measured a little bit smaller than people had anticipated both weight and height. But to me, that was never what was drawing me to him. It's his route running. It's his ability to separate um, and present a big target for a wide receiver in in those situations. Then the last pick in my opinion would be looking at uh, Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is somebody who I had, looked at a year ago before he decided to opt out. And the skill set just gravitated toward me. It big gravitated me towards him. Uh, big corner, able to do zone coverage off-man um, very well. And I think he's a, a great complement to the cur- current DB room, where we're a bit smaller, um, with Denzel War being the other dominant corner in the room. So just by coming in, um, I know that there are injury concerns with him however from what I've been able to see a lot of doctors have been giving him very good news and hopeful news for what that next step into the NFL looks like but those three guys are three that I have circled high high and above the rest at 26.
1: Yeah he had a micro recently which actually I know somebody who went through that and played college football and he said he could be back by May like it's not that big of a deal but then again any kind of uh, there's a like any kind of surgery that's not happening on yourself is always not a big deal. Right? It's yeah. like, yeah, that guy had a, had a surgery on his kneecap. That's not a big deal. How would you know? It's not your kneecap. Like <laughs> It can go any which way, but it sounds like you're right. He's getting some clearance on it. Um, what uh, The other thing is he had uh, something regarding his sciatic nerve uh, last year. I think he had a surgery regarding that when he was – and that was, like, why he missed the last two games of his, of uh, the 2019 season. He also tore his ACL a few years ago. the the torn ACL doesn't worry me as much because, like, I, that's usually something, unless there's something in addition to that. Like, again, I'm not a doctor, and I, I don't even play one on TV, so I, I really can't give a lot of insight onto the medical aspects of it. But from what I'm hearing, I agree with you, uh, provided that – and listen, the, the NFL has their own doctors. They're going to send him to – you know, they're going to get the MRIs. They're going to talk to his doctors. They're going to clear HIPAAs and hippos as well and they're gonna go ahead and look at and they're gonna be like listen we don't think this is a recurring issue or they're gonna be like listen it might be a recurring issue but dude this guy's good and to the extent that it's recurring you're not gonna get this level of a player anywhere else so I I kind of agree with you I like Caleb Parley a lot I'm less worried about his back injury than I would be say worried about Jalen Phillips and his concussion issues um, which I – and I love Jalen Phillips. I think he's probably the best pass rusher in this class. We're not talking pass rushers, I know. <laughs> I tried getting you on that conversation, like, listen, I actually really like the wide receivers, man. Let's talk wide receivers. I don't want to get into that – none of that politics stuff with edge rushers. So that's why we're talking wide receivers, everybody. Um, I'm kidding. He, he was full-on go for whatever I told him to do. I was just like, this is kind of a – like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's take this fun little string it on this. doesn't matter
0: what we're talking about. It's, it's just football.
1: It's all football. It's all draft. Um, and so, for instance, for me, I think if there was three guys I wouldn't want to trade down for. So, you know what? You, it's funny because the Jadavian Clowney thing changes a lot, right? And especially depends on how teams value some of these edge rushers and how they value. Like, you're right. Caleb Farley is just a different talent, right? I I like him so much. I You're right. Like, if he's there at 26, even if you had an offer to trade back, I might be like, you know what? The differential between Farley and the next corner is not – it's huge. It's, like, it's not close, especially if Craig Newsom's already off the board, if uh, J.C. Horn – J.C. Horn and and Sertain are probably automatically off the board. They're probably going top 12 now. Oh, my God, I'm so sad about the J.C. Horn thing now. Because, like, J.C. Horn, man, he was fun. He was very fun. But he's not getting near their 26, I don't think.
0: I think his floor is 16. Uh, to the cardinals I, I don't think Yeah the can do anything else Except either trade that pick for him Or take him and add him to the Defense in in a team that's Just looking to win now that
1: might Be a thing man I, I yo mock draft That everybody should be mock drafting that Because that's a uh, that's that I like idea. Uh, they, tr- they even try to trade up because again, there's only like kind of two corners that you could really feel truly safe with. Uh, Greg Newsom even has a little bit of injury concerns. He's never played a full season in the in college football. I think he's always at least missed three games. So that was always kind of a worrisome thing with Greg Newsom. Um, that might be more worrisome to me than than Caleb Farley's thing um, because like. His thing, like at the end of the year, is groin issues. He had a couple of other things over the years, so I'm a little bit more nervous with Greg Newsom, especially given like the ceiling of Caleb Farley being like Caleb Farley could be like almost Jalen Ramsey esque. So I kind of I agree with you there. I think at one point I probably would say Aziz Ojalari is where uh, at that spot. I really I still love Aziz Ojalari. I was like my like my draft crush from like from January till now, and I'm still high on the Aziz Ojalari train. But I do I. But say no pass rushers go until, which would be insane, but imagine, like, no pass rushers go. Pretend we live in an imaginary universe where, like, everybody just does not agree with these pass rushers. They all have, and they do all kind of have weird warts, like, all of them. So there's, like, ten of them. Ojolari, you can get to 26 and be like, well, I like Ojolari, but there's also six other guys we have rated, like, not far off from him. Yeah. And we're getting offers for next year's yep. a second round pick next year. So you might, you might be on the right train here. I'm trying thought here with those three picks. Yeah. And, and right before we get into wide receivers, that, that was exactly the, the thinking for me
0: of picking those three guys at 26, because I like a little bit of that, that range right after 40 until about you know 70 of edge rushers that are there, whether that be Joseph Osai or whether that be um, uh, Patrick Owe. I, I, I really um, am a fan of of his game. I don't, uh, I think the no sacks in 2020 is an anomaly, just as we were talking a little bit about production for wide receivers is down in this, in this weird season. Um, But also uh, Smith from uh, Northern Iowa is, is another fan Ellerson Smith. Yes. um, Showed out at the Senior Bowl, um, 22 years old. He's a big fan. I'm a big fan of his in his ability to come in in that bottom of round two, top of round three, uh, or right there at 89 and 91 when the Browns pick. If he's on the board, um, there won't be one player that I'm wishing for more than Ellerson Smith right there in that range.
1: I also – it's weird because, like, there's guys who I like who I know they won't take, and we'll talk about at least one of them today uh, when we talk about wide receivers. But, like, Carlos Basham's probably going to go in the day two range. They probably won't go for him because he's a little bit older. He's, like, 23, going to be 24. But he's really – he had some really good tape, and he was very – he this year was a little bit more down than the previous years. But even still, his athleticism shows on tape. If he learned to be a little bit more, like, just go through the guy kind of deal, he would be a whole different level of of player. So – I, I liked him. I also listened to an interview with his uh, with his D-line coach at Wake Forest. Very, uh, he was very much uh, – it, it was a very fun interview to listen to on that. Um, but like you said, like Owe – and by the way, Oway, I'm a huge fan of. That's a guy who like at some points when, again, there wasn't rumors of them signing Jadavian Clowney. I was like, I would be fine if they took Jason Owe. And then there's like Patrick Jones, who's probably going to be there towards the end of the second round. And then there's Joe Tryon, who I know you don't like, who I don't think I want to take in the second round or the third round. I, I would maybe take Joe Tryon at that, like that 91 pick. If if they didn't take an edge rusher, if they trade down, accumulate all these picks, it's like Tryon at, thir- at 91. Well, we didn't take an edge rusher. This guy's more developmental, but I kind of, I, I know you have your own opinion on him. Yeah. Which you can share I, I right he- now.
0: I think he's a really interesting prospect. He has really active hands working through blocks and different things, opted out in 2020 um, due to the largely – a lot of Pac-12 players uh, or prospects opted out because they were the last to, you know, come back to play, and their season was uh, more abridged and shorter than the rest of college football. Um, But for me, yeah, I I think – he's a a fine player and would benefit from not being thrust into that starting position Uh, as a rookie I think he's most successful if he's just a pass rusher to start Um, as a run defender I think he can get lost sometimes running right by his blocks and different things but uh, or right past the running back even a couple times I saw on film so I I wish him the best and I hope he can get a good uh, situation to find himself in for me if he's gonna go out of the top two rounds i think the buccaneers at the bottom of round two are a are a sweet spot for him to come in and be a situational pass rusher for them uh standing next to jason pierre paul and opposite of um their other edge uh oh shack barrett. barrett yeah signed him that only creates more chaos
1: with Vitavea vita vea and, and dominican sue in the middle yeah that might be a really good landing spot for him again like try on i'm like i I, I, I don't like the round one hype or top 50 hype. That's a little too scary for me. I'm like, there's guys in this draft class I like way more. You know, whether you're you know, like our buddy Owe, Osai, who even if I'm not huge on Osai, I like Osai as a, like a day two guy, second round pick. I don't care much for him. As, I think he'll probably go in the first round um he has solid production too it wasn't but i just i'm i'm not as high on osai as some other people are i do i there's some things he has, he has a lot of bud dupree to his game which if you like bud dupree that's great and then if you're not a big fan of bud dupree i think that's kind of the the, the questions that it, you have to kind yeah, of ask Os-
0: a, osai is an energizer bunny he he's running around the field faster than everybody else he wants it more than everybody else and that's that's the first note that i wrote down when watching him um the really motors there by that. Yeah, and I think uh, with his youth and his athletic traits as he tested really well and with that production that he got from just what he was doing already, not really super refined in different things, uh, yeah, the sky's the limit for him as opposed to a guy like Owe who has all the traits, a little bit of the tape, Not as much as production. I'm, I'm, I'm all over Osai if it's anywhere close to one another. Thank you, thank
1: you, Mr. Marcus Harvey. uh, Check out part two tomorrow or tonight, depending on when this releases. Yes, check out part two with Marcus Harvey, where we talk about wide receivers, folks. Wide receivers. So go ahead, subscribe, like, follow. Go ahead and give him a follow at Marcus Harvey underscore on the Twitterverse. And, again, you can follow me at B-R-O-J-O, death is in the end of Laugh Punch, a delicious drink you drink in the summer. And, yeah, you can follow uh, the podcast, at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram, and any other platform. It's usually DraftVice. So there you go. The when side. I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I about the past, I the future.